Hello and welcome to the Permanent Good Podcast, a podcast that's part movie club, part improv comedy. My name is Craig Wells, a.k.a. Permanent Handle. And I'm Alex Good, a.k.a. Alex Good. Okay, so my apartment is... Um, I was actually going to talk about something and then I realized that it sucked. I actually... I was like... I had like three different versions of an intro um, right before we hit record. Um... All of them flew out of my brain, and so I started talking, hoping something would start, and then it didn't. It just didn't. So, hey, welcome. Uh, we're uh, we're really stringing this one along, aren't we? You know, I if this podcast tagline isn't stringing along, <laughs> um, we've I been mean, stringing along. We've been stringing along our audience for 170 episodes. And um, we're certainly not going to stop now. So I'm glad that we've formed this relationship, that we feel comfortable telling you this. You know, the best relationships are the ones where people are aware that they're being strung along. It. Um, I feel like at some point we should go back to listen to the first 10 episodes to see if no. there's any promises that we just nah. have not followed through with. <laughs> I don't think. I think we're good. Oh, Can you imagine I can, starting this podcast and like episode three and like every week we do something and we just never acknowledge it ever again? So there is one thing that I have thought about and me bringing it up again is going to do the opposite of what I want. But mm-hmm. in like episode like 30, like before the one year mark for sure, um, we made this very grand statement of anyone who hates us can come on the podcast and have uninterrupted time disclosing on why they hate us. And after we put that episode out, I started to think, you know, there are some people that I think if they found out about that might take us up on that offer. And I, it would like be one of those fears that would pop into my mind like once every six months and be like, what if someone reached out? What would I actually do? I think it would be hilarious the first time. Yeah, for sure. Can you imagine we each every episode we have to take field a caller <laughs> yeah. and this and it just becomes a segment? God, no way. That'd be horrible. And like, I would also face some maybe morality issues in the editing room of like, how do I, how do I do this? How do I, how do I not make us look like complete bad We just people? drop the mic volume and just talk over them. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. It just becomes hey. background music. <laughs> hey, that's what, uh, that's how you really know that you've won an argument is when you edit them down and talk over them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Very quickly, our podcast turns into a Republican presidential debate. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not done talking. I'm not done talking. God, have you oh, been seeing geez. any of those clips this year? No, dude. Dude, no. it's crazy. It's absolutely wild. Watching um, some of these people, it's literally just people yelling over each other. And it gets to a point where like, I feel like the moderators need to get a little more hands-on. Like, I think the mild version of this is, like, um, freaking Anderson Cooper just has a water gun from his little desk, and he just yeah. starts and he just starts, uh, just starts spraying the candidates that just won't shut up. Like, no, your two minutes is over. Your two minutes is over. You just got to, like, put on a shot collar. <laughs> like, no, 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 no. Just be like when they start getting too loud. It's just like, oh, this uh, dog's barking. 
<laughs> DeSantis in a shock collar is maybe one of the funniest <laughs> things I can think Same. of. Uh, all right. Well, um, we we got our jokes out of the way. Are you ready to have maybe the worst time of your life? Yeah, dude. Let's do it. <laughs> so this week for Joe December. We are talking about a movie called The Accused. It came out in 1988, and the entire movie is a very in-depth look on um, the trial, like a legal trial, about a sexual assault case. And I'm letting you know that now because it is literally the only thing that we are going to be talking about. It is the only thing that happens in this movie, and that's not an exaggeration. So if hearing us talk about that in-depth feels like something that you mm, maybe not want to listen to, uh, you can go ahead and skip to this time code right here. Time code, 20 minutes, 20 seconds. So, um, like I said, this movie is about um, the events in the trial after of a woman experiencing a gang rape and trying to seek justice for that. Um, I would say, above all else... This movie does a very good job at making you feel disheartened by our legal system um, because it spends a lot of time talking about how like Jodie Foster's character, she's not a perfect person. You know, she drinks a lot. She smokes pot. And this is 1988. Um, and she had um, she has a criminal past because she got caught with possession for the weed. And so. All these, like, slight personal blemishes. Like, the movie spends a lot of time being like, these can ruin your case. The jury will not look yep. at you in their favor because they will see you as a degenerate. Um, and so that's just kind of the vibe of the whole movie is um, being like, oh, there's no way that she doesn't win this case. And then the movie just constantly sprinkling in seeds of doubt to where you as the audience member are like, well, obviously I know this is like manipulation, but you know, you also know that the manipulation is working. Yeah. Um, there's a, I, I mean, we read through the trivia and we're not going to talk about most of it, but there were a lot of actresses who turned down the role of Jodie Foster's character because they felt like it was exposed exploitive to show it on screen yes. and to like because talking about it what is one thing because you it's mentally prepping you because you knew we were gonna see it you don't know when but the movie starts right after it happened and then you go through the criminal justice system and you kind of see that and at the very end you get to essentially watch it and so many people are turned turned down the role because they're like oh this is like crazy that you're put including this in the movie and uh uh let me tell you regardless of whether or not it should be in the movie it is highly effective yes and so i think more than anything this movie does an amazing job pushing its message um it is very clear um to the lengths of which sexual assault victims are not believed questioned doubted like all the like public chatter about uh, a case like this. And this case gets high profile. It's on right. the news. Everyone knows about it. She's getting recognized for it. And so um, the, the scrutiny that a case like that can come with is um, 
tackled very effectively in this movie. Yeah, the whole time you feel bad. The yeah. whole movie, you're like, there is nothing good happening. And nothing fe- good happens. And that feeling bad, it, it's it's a range of emotions. It's not just like, oh, well, this sucks. It's like there's disheartened. It, it makes you feel disheartened based on like the structure of the system. It makes you yeah, feel frustrated ho- because you yep. are watching it happen. And like there's a specific scene where one of the guys that was at the bar that was encouraging this, um, he sees her in a parking lot and starts taunting her. Like, he's getting all up on her car. He's making rude gestures. He gets in his car and blocks her from leaving. And I and she backs up her car and rams full force into his truck twice. And I'm like, yeah, I get it. <laughs> Me too. Yeah, and a part of you is like, I wish you, you actually killed him. Like, I wish this hurt more. But, like, the whole and, thing, dude, like, you're like, exactly what you're saying. Like, dude, it was hopeless. There was anger. There was frustration. Just, like, straight-up disappointment in everyone. You got mad at how certain characters were reacting. Like, promising to do something, not doing something. It, it's the whole thing made you feel, like, um, just, like, upset the entire time. I'm, like, and even when it paid off, because, obviously, like, if this movie just doesn't pay off, no one would ever watch it. Even when you get to the end and it pays off, you're like, wasn't worth it. Don't care. This is like what you made me go through to get to this point is not worth it. If that makes any sense. Well, um, I, I, what I'm going to say is like, I, I think maybe a more apt way to put it is like, it's not enough. Yeah. Like, like that's a step in the right direction, but we are leaps and bounds from where we should be. What they win, spoiler, they win the case. What they win in this case. I guess they win both cases. They win the lesser of the cases. Yeah. The way they win is the bare minimum of what could have happened. What could have and should have happened. Um, And uh, so Jodie Foster, this is her first Oscar win. And um, I get it. Yeah, I I get it. She has a very strong monologue on the witness stand that is just like pure performance. Um, and like a movie like this is not sold without the performances. Um, so here here's what I'm gonna say. In that, like I said, there's been good performances. This movie is very good at pushing its message. But like as a movie, there are definitely some things that we can break down that um. I super didn't love about it as far as movie structure goes. Um, And because of that, because the movie is, the movie is carried by its subject matter. Um, And this movie movie was judged solely on its ability to make you feel stuff. It'd be a 10 out of 10. Yes. Um, But at the end of the day, this is a legal drama that I think does not do some things that I like out of legal dramas. Like there's a lot of, um, meetings between lawyers that aren't necessarily relevant and there's a lot of legal jargon that i think they use just to like um not to make themselves sound smart that's reductive but um there are some conversations that i feel like are unnecessarily complex and unnecessarily wordy um to make it sound a little more lawyery i Um, also think that people's favorite part of courtroom dramas is and probably always will be cross-examination 
It's the um, investigation and cross-examination. And there's very little cross-examination in this. Like, um, two total minutes. But all this to say, like, this movie needed good performances. You cannot get away doing a movie like this and have people phone it in. And no one is phoning it in across the board. Um, there are, like, some secondary characters that, like... You don't like they're not, you know, Oscar noms, but like they're trying their best. I, I feel like they could have been better. Yeah. Um, but it also got to the point where like they were acting so hard and the writing was good enough and the subject matter was so crazy that I was like, why would you take this role? I'm literally <laughs> thinking like, you know, people are going to hate you in real life for doing this. Yeah. Like why that would you take this role? Like that guy from the parking lot sequence yeah, I dude. mentioned, mm-hmm. he had he plays. I'm going to play a very significant role in the incident itself to the, to the point where like, yeah, like you said, like I, I better be freaking cast me as Mary Poppins in the next role. So that way I can like equalize myself. Like I will never be a bad guy again because that was so crazy. Yeah. And he didn't even do it. Yeah. (laughs) He was a bystander, but as a bystander, he was so bad, like as an evil that you're like, it's just, dude, it was brutal. And you're like, I hope the worst things happen to you. And as an actor, I'm like, why would you do that? But, why would you do that to yourself? But on that note of cross-examination, um, the cross-examination that is in this movie is, again, very anger-inducing. It's very well done because it pulls that anger out of you so easily because the cross-examiner is asking so obviously manipulative questions that it like it makes your blood boil (laughs) it definitely makes you think like if you had to defend the bad guy this is how you would do it yeah for sure it's the because they're not they are as professional as you could be yeah like they're they're (laughs) they are not bad guys because the questions they're asking they're defending bad guys and if you're gonna defend them you have to say horrible things. And the oh, first yeah. the first time that happens, he's like, listen, I understand what you went through is as bad as it gets. And I'm only going to ask you a few questions. And proceeds to ask her questions that you're like, hey, bro, I know you're just doing your job. But if you get shot in the parking lot, you have to understand where they're coming from. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> you know? I know you're just doing your job. And the thing is, he wasn't as bad as, like, the bigger guy. Yeah. That guy, I was like, listen. I feel like this is more than a job for you. <laughs> this feels personal. Yeah. And I actually don't like you. The other guy was like, dude, I bet you he goes home and he's drinking and he's like, dude, what am I doing? The other guy's like, I'm glad. Like, she's probably lying. Like, that's yeah. nuts, bro. Yeah, absolutely crazy. Um, I really don't want to spend too much time on this movie just because... It is such heavy material, and Alex and I are maybe the last two people on the planet you want to hear discuss a movie like this for any longer than 10 minutes. We may have already passed the line. Um, Yeah, I will say, um, just to give you a heads up of how hard this movie is to watch, when they were filming it, it had to be rehearsed many, many times. Jodie Foster blacked out, doesn't remember filming it, and all the many of the bystanders and the actual rapists threw up immediately left the scene, cried, felt bad. Like it was horrible for them as well. And I, that was all for naught because I fast forwarded through it. I watched, um, 
Clockwork Orange and didn't skip anything. And this is so much worse. It is so much worse. Yeah, this movie is not for the faint of heart. Um, I don't know who I, I would recommend. Think, do you think this movie could be made now? I mean, The Last Duel got made. Oh, yeah, but for some reason that for me, it was bad, but I don't think the scene was as long. Yes, The yeah. Last Duel definitely, like, um, it, the, the Last Duel makes it more palatable. Yeah, um, also it shows the perspective of the... Victim. V- victim and of the perpetrator. And when you're watching the perpetrator do it, it's not as bad because obviously in their demented minds, what they're doing is not that bad. So I think the worst version, the victim's version, is a shorter scene and is very hard to watch. In this, you only see what actually happened. And yeah. it is way too long. <laughs> it's very long. It's very graphic. Um, this is the kind of movie that like you need to want to watch a hard movie. Like if you want a movie that like challenges your like emotional state, if you want a movie that challenges, I don't want to say it challenges you philosophically because like the answers are pretty obvious, yeah. but it, um, if anything, like it's one of those things that when you watch this movie, it motivates you to like change your life. Like, I guess I have to like get involved in the justice system because this shouldn't happen. Yeah. Um, but also dude, what's up with the text at the end of this movie? <laughs> the, it, I so, saw that and I'm like, hey, unnecessary, unnecessary. Um, well, <laughs> so the 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 movie ends with um, a slate of text that simply reads um, a sexual a, a, a rape case is reported every six minutes and one out of every four attacks have more than one perpetrator. Um, and like Alex said, it really you don't walk away from this movie feeling good, even though the result is quote unquote, what we wanted. Um, yeah. So this movie has a purpose and it effect and it executes it very effectively. Um, I would be hard, hard, hard pressed to watch it again. I will never watch. There's the, I think the demographic for who should watch this movie is prosecutors. Yeah. People who like, in the industry of prosecuting crimes, enforcing law, those are the people who need to watch this movie to like prep them for real life. Everyone else is just collateral damage. We watch this movie and we're just <laughs> going to be scarred for no reason. For no reason. I guess if anything, it'd, do like, it'd be to sympathize and empathize with victims and to be motivated to make changes in real life to make sure this never happens. That's it. This is... This is Dude, I cannot stress enough. This is not really film versus movie. This is like um, zero entertainment value. <laughs> yes. Yeah. This you don't watch serious, this movie to a have a good time. Yeah. No. <laughs> um, I almost don't want to rate it. Yeah. Can you imagine? Okay. So here's the thing. This, it's, dude, I, I, I think you're right. I think this is unrated. It's not a bad movie. And if this is your favorite movie, you're a goddamn serial killer. <laughs> so I'm going to say in our in, in, in this one instance, I think that we can both comfortably say this was a good movie and leave it at that. Yes. First time for P- permanent good. This is a good movie. I, I don't even want to say good. An effective a- movie. An f- effective <laughs> and well-made movie. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Underrating. 
effective. <laughs> Insane, dude. I can't believe it. Anyway, let's move on. Um, <laughs> please, please do. All right. So we are going to do a- another Moonlighting episode. I know we did one kind of recently, but we have a backlog to clear through. So cut us some slack. <laughs> um, let's start with the ones that we both watched. Um, so let's start with The Killer. Um, this is a David Fincher movie who is the same guy that did Gone Girl and, um, Social Network are the two that, like, people talk about. Um, and Zodiac and Seven and there's a lot. Um, but this movie is about a very meticulous hitman and the first five minutes of this movie is showing us how meticulous and how prepared he is for each hit. And the movie starts with us showing us this sequence and he's about to take out a target and he fucks it up and he Dude, kills the, that. That sequence is 15 minutes long. It is. Okay. It um, also makes me, f- it it's long enough that you think, is this going to be the entire movie? And, and so it's, it's not. And so he kills the wrong person in an attempt to clean up the mistake. The agency he works for tries to kill him. Um, attacks his girlfriend. She gets sent to the hospital. And so now Michael Fassbender, who plays the hitman, is now on a revenge quest to kill the important people in the agency that tried to kill him and his girlfriend. Right. Um, I think this is a very forgettable movie. I agree. Um, and let at- me tell you why. Because sure. this movie because I watched this movie at home on Netflix. Yep. I think if this movie had a proper theatrical run, I would have enjoyed this movie way more because it is the kind of movie that requires just enough of your attention that you shouldn't be on your phone. Yeah, I I agree. I also think this movie um, is too similar to many other movies. I was listening to another review on um, Joe and Ron on Talk Movies, if you want to go look it up. Um it's very similar to Gross Point Blank that came out in 97. I have not watched it, but I've heard it's, it's just like that. Also, I think assassin movies are just in right now. They're just like in. The, I don't know if they've ever not been in the zeitgeist, but especially now. So anytime I watch one, it's it's just more of the same. I thought the first 15 minutes of him like being super procedural. It's all narration, uh, like voiceover of Michael Fassbender describing his process, prepping for the shot setting up his nest, the whole thing. And I'm like, this is something I haven't seen before. It's like highly nihilistic, methodical, and I was on board. He messes up the shot. As retribution, they go, like, it's part of the contract. Like, if the person we try to kill is not killed, we hold whoever messed up the assassination attempt accountable by taking out a loved one. So he knew exactly what was going to happen when it happened. Um, And then he goes, obviously, after we can talk about him going after the other killers for me once that happened i'm like this is just like every other i have a special set of skills movie like john wick got his dog killed um liam neeson got his daughter taken there's always like a straw that broke the camel's back this is the equalizer of you hurt this girl something happened and now i have to come for you this is every movie dude of now i have to come after you yeah. And once that happened, I'm like, I'm never going to remember this movie. 
So what I did like about this movie is I really liked the way it was formatted because every major sequence is formatted like it's another contract. Okay. And yeah. I thought that was a really cool way to present um, what he was doing. And I still think that his, um, even though it is overused, I, I will agree with you on that. Um, it was still cool enough to get me to finish the movie. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I always finish movies, but the whole time I'm like, are you serious? Like, especially the Tilda Swinton killing i'm like sure yeah <laughs> this is the most of not this person is a cold-blooded killer doesn't have a weapon on her and you caught her at a restaurant with no security what are you nuts also you're a cold-blooded killer and you went with the florida man and you couldn't kill this dude's wife who has zero training or experience like you just tuned her up a little bit i'm like as soon as that happened i'm like what is going on and then she's like ordering her last meal and drinking i'm like this is so weird. I thought this woman was going to be like us, like special kind of assassin. Like she already like spiked his drink. Something's in, there was a bomb under the seat, something like three steps ahead. Dude, she was so far behind that I'm like, she should have went into hiding. This is insane. Does this chick even have an alias? Like he found her so fast. Yeah. So I would say of all the David Fincher movies that I've seen, which is hold on. How many David Fincher movies have I seen? Have I only? I don't. I shouldn't have brought going, this question up because I think seven, the answer is Gone Girl, Social Network. I've seen all those. Uh, I've only. I think. <laughs> I think I've only seen Gone Girl and Mank, <laughs> and now The Killer. <laughs> I need to watch more David Fincher movies. Hold on, I need to some episodes of Mindhunter. Oh yeah, 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 dude. Mindhunter is what this movie should have been. Yeah, it would have been better as Mindhunter. I've seen a. Oh, he also did Fight Club. I've seen quite a few of his movies. This is, and it's not even close, my least favorite. Yeah. I ooh, No, I like to make more than this. But I'm just like, this just isn't. I wouldn't say this isn't for me. This is supposed to be for us. We are yeah. the demo. And I just think other movies do it better. Um, I'm giving it a five, seven, five. Yeah, I'm giving it a six. Sure. Easy enough. Um, Blue Beetle. That's a movie. <laughs> um, So Blue Beetle is... What um it's a superhero movie about whew, you want to take it takes this place one? in the DC universe um it's much like um metros metropolis is like New York Central City is supposed to be what LA? Chicago Chicago and then Gotham is just like Jersey dark 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 Jersey this is supposed to be Miami and the Keys they have fake names for all that stuff uh wouldn't you know. George Lopez, very important to this movie. Very big. I thought he was just going to be a side character, maybe a cameo. Not at all. Um, Blue Beetles, basically, there's an ancient artifact that chooses this guy. Um, and then he fights off a corporation that wants to use that device to make super soldiers. If this sounds highly familiar, it's because it's a lot like a many, many other uh, movies. There's a chosen one and super soldiers. And so when this, mo so when this yeah. movie came out... A lot of people were like, you know, it was better than I thought it was going to be. Like, I actually really enjoyed it. And uh, I unfortunately never got around to seeing it in theaters. But when it came on Max, I'm like, all right, let's watch it. And so I watched it. And I'm like, did we watch the same movie? It's, I think this would be better than you thought it was going to be if you expected n bad movie. 
Yeah, if you expected, like, garbage, you know, David Ayer Suicide Squad, then, yeah, maybe you would like this movie. But um, as someone who was expecting, like, um, like how the first Shazam was better than I thought it was going to be, um, I yeah. was expecting that. Um, no, no. Okay. This is he- as good as I thought it was going to be, which is okay. So here's what I didn't like about this movie, and there are two major things. One, this movie was marketed very much as um, an unwilling hero. The tagline on the poster is, Jaime Reyes is a superhero whether he likes it or not. Um, At no point in this movie does he show a strong resistance to being a superhero. And I'm going to be honest, he does very little superheroing at all. Um, I thought the... I thought the Reyes family was super annoying. I did not like most of them. George Lopez, most of all. Um, I think the zany uncle character is very hard to get right. And this movie did not. I just, everybody was way too overbearing. Everybody like everybody was talking over each other. Nobody could get a word in. And I just felt like... Living with that family sounds like a nightmare. <laughs> I, they, I, I don't know how much to chalk up to this as a cultural difference. Like the whole family is Hispanic. Yes. Um. So that part didn't bother me. What a part, what bothered me is obvious tropes, plot holes, stuff like that. I got angry when the grandmother had the minigun. Yeah. She's like, you don't know what I did during the revolution. I'm like, did you fight with alien technology? Because you're also. Also, you did it 60 years ago. This is like, it just got made me mad. And um, there's very redeeming quality, very few redeeming qualities in this. This is what I expected from a character most people didn't know about getting a main movie. Like, this is what I expect from like Cyborg getting his own movie. This is what I expect from like, I wouldn't say Hawkeye because he's been in enough movies. But like, it's, it's giving a side character their own movie and no support from the greater superheroes like even flash had greater support from like all right we got to pull in batman we got to pull in superman we got to pull in other people so that we care about this guy this guy had no support at all and uh this is it's just mediocre for me so you are tapping into one of the things that i don't like about this movie so um this movie has a heavy focus on ted cord so Ted Cord was the Blue Beetle before Jaime Reyes in the comics. And right. in Ted Cord's version of Blue Beetle, nothing was alien. It was all technologically based. He was yes. a he was like a dorky Bruce Wayne. And Jaime Reyes's Blue Beetle. It's actually is all- Jaime, but you can Jaime. keep calling him. It's Jamie or Jaime. Jaime. Okay. I can't believe you didn't. I can't believe you let me say it four times without correcting me. I kept thinking that, like, uh, you know what? Don't even worry about it. We figured okay. it out now. Um, regardless, um, yes. his version of Blue Beetle is much more. Um, it, it's all alien based. So I think this movie didn't. It it wanted the Ted Cord aspect because Ted Cord is a more famous Blue Beetle, but it's not practical to make a Blue Beetle movie about Ted Cord because he's not relevant anymore. Um, right. And so if they had just let Jaime do his own thing, 
And that would have made for a much better movie. The fact that Jaime was trying to live up to Ted Kord's legacy, a legacy we don't even know about. Yeah, don't even know. There's so much lore attached to this that you just don't know, and it's glossed over in exposition. So this movie needed to be exclusively a Ted Kord movie or exclusively a Jaime Reyes movie, and it was neither. So that's why I feel like this movie feels so bloated and under-supported. Yeah, there's uh, five a, out of ten. Quite a few flaws. Yeah, uh, five out of ten is fire. It's just a movie. Um, what you got next? The Flash. Yeah. Okay. This movie rocks, bro. Oh my god! I was. So this movie afraid. rocks. I was afraid there you are, were gonna say that. There are flaws, straight up. Like the CGI. You, I remember you saying, "Yo, shout out to the PS2 graphics." When it happened, it was jarring. <laughs> yeah, and it's right out the gate, too. I'm like, whoa. It goes from being really good to three minutes later being garbage. <laughs> like, these, the face renders are so bad, I don't know who they're supposed to be. Um, that being said, it uh, it's, makes me mad that this, can't, this movie's not going to be canon. Because I'm like, oh, dude, this movie's pretty good. Michael Keaton coming back, fire. George Clooney at the end, I was, I loved it, dude. I soaked it up. Um, shout out Ben Affleck making an appearance. Dude, it's so supported. Loved it. The going back in time to fix the problem, finding out he's actually, dude, I just loved it. It was all good. The dialogue could be better, but like plot wise, I, all I wish is that all the multiverse stuff, because I mean, it's just in the zeitgeist now, and this movie started production before all the other ones did. Before Far From Home, before any anything any, everywhere all at once, before Into the Spider-Verse, this would, if it came out when it was supposed to come out, it would have beaten all those. But now we're, it's kind of getting dry that we've experienced it so many different times in so many different ways. It freaking slaps, dude. I loved it. I would watch it again. Okay. I'm a fan. I've already said my piece on it. I will not dig up that grave once more. Yeah, I'm going to give it a seven and a half, seven, seven, five. Banger, dude. I okay. When I watched this, I'm like, I kept waiting for it to get bad. I'm like, no, I'm on board with this. I'm on board the whole way. Um. All right. Fair enough. Oh, so did I tell you? That, so I watched 28 Days Later. So Small and Tall is in a production hiatus right now. But uh, I, I watched 28 Days Later in an attempt for us to do our Halloween episode, 28 Days Later is a zombie movie with Killian Murphy. Um, and th- this is supposed to be one of the like greatest zombie movies of all time. It came out when zombies were at their peak. It's like 2007 or something like that. Um, 2002. 2002, yes. Um, I did not like that movie at all. <laughs> and there is one specific reason. The director made a very artistic choice to have the entire movie filmed and appear like it was, or to have the entire movie appear as if it was filmed on 2002 digital camcorders, like the ones that your parents would take on vacation and record videos that you never watch again. Oh, no. And that's a choice. It's a choice. And let me tell you, it. The it makes the movie feel more grim. It makes the movie feel like it makes it feel like a survival game. Like that's what it makes the movie feel like. However, mm-hmm. it is simply hard to watch. 
Um, first of all, it's hard to watch because you can't rent it. I had to go to my library that had the DVD. Um, and the, it's just, I, I did not enjoy looking at it. And so the thing that I remember the most is there's a scene where people are on fire, like genuinely on fire. And you can see the fire and you can kind of see the people in there. But because the fire overexposes everything, it looks like it looks like three bundles of flame running through the pitch black void. And it's such a bummer because that's such a cool risk to take. And we talk a lot about it on this podcast, how we'd rather have a movie be strong in its bad choices than take safe, boring choices. And so this movie is nothing but the riskiest, coolest choice that just didn't work for me. So I, I, I lament this movie's cinematography, but I also want to recognize that I think it's cool that a choice like that was made, even if it didn't work for me. Um, it also does the thing that every zombie movie does because um, zombies are not enough to carry an entire movie. You also have to have a human antagonist. Yeah. Um, and I thought the human antagonist was not exciting. Um, like the third act of the movie is them going to a, like a makeshift military base and mm-hmm. then things start to go awry and blah, blah, blah. Um, Overall, I didn't find it very compelling. There are better zombie movies. Um, I would say, like, for it, it, that one's a five for me as well. Would you be interested in watching the sequel? Maybe, um, maybe with someone. I have no interest of watching it by myself. Okay, because it's um doesn't have bad ratings, and I know they're working on a third one right now. I don't know yeah. if it's in production, but I'm like. I think I would only watch those in succession and then be like done. Yeah. But I sure. hate, although it's a choice that would really bother me the way it's filmed. Yeah. Um, I watched John wick four. Okay. Um, they're coming out further and further apart. I don't know if they're further and further apart, but like I'm not rewatching them. So <laughs> this from the last one to this one, I don't know if, I mean, we've just watched so many movies in between. I don't feel like this is going to sound crazy. If Keanu Reeves is a good actor, okay. I don't know. What because... a great, you make a great point. Um, no, your answer, the answer is no. Because what you're about to say, I feel the same way. The way he delivers his lines, it, it could also be the dialogue. I don't know who to blame, but it is off-putting. It pulls you out of it. He has lines where he's just like, yeah. And you're like, oh, that's it? Okay. Um, can I, can I say the line that I know you're thinking of right now? Yeah. <laughs> Cause there's a scene like as the movie is about to climax into the third act, Lawrence Fishburne and him are in like a gondola in the sewer. Yep. And, um, as he gets out, Keanu Reeves turns to Lawrence Fishburne and he says on my gravestone, have it say father, husband, it's just friend. It, it oh, was, it no, it was loving, hus- loving husband. Oh, yeah, His wife just, got got. Yeah, but and then like, it's, they were talking about what he wanted in a gravestone, and he's like, um, Lawrence Fishburne says, uh, was it king of the, oh, here rests the king, something with a king in it. I'm like, that's pretty gangster. He just thought of that. And then he's like, loving husband. And they're like, what? And he goes, on my gravestone, I want to say loving husband. And you're like, I get it, but it's weird this conversation made it into the movie. 
but and like he all said, of his, but he, <sighs> but he, he says it with such like a whack intonation. Like yeah. he says it like he's not looking at an explosion behind him and saying a cool line, but in fact he's supposed to be like you know talking about his wife. He acts like a stunt double. It's like if you gave a stunt double lines in a movie, that's how he acts. You're here for the action. I know that. I'm like 90% action. Give me the action. It's John Wick. But when they were talking, it was so bad that I'm like, I don't know if the action is worth it, dude. Because this movie's just action, 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 action all the way up to the end. And I'm like, I don't know if I feel there's no arc. It's just action. So. Alex and I go on record saying that we love secret societies in movies. Ooh, we yeah, love dude. secret societies. John Wick 4 definitely jumps the shark in the secret society. There's a scene where they're like in front of the Eiffel Tower and they have all these heavy cards on a glass table and they're like deciding how to duel and they like start talking about a bunch of like rules for the duel and I, I feel like you guys are making this up. Where like, they're flipping right now. the cards. Yeah. Highest number wins. It's just war. Yeah. Um, it really felt like they were just making up rules. But the uh, so I'm going to spoil the end of the movie for John Wick 4. Um, uh, he dies in a super anticlimactic way, right? To the point where you're like, that did he die? Fake death because the thing he gets shot in the stomach and that kills him, which is crazy because he also shoots a guy in the stomach and he, that die, guy walks away. So yeah, I'm like, like, then why are you dying? This doesn't make sense. And you just see him collapse on the steps and then it cuts to him, his gravestone saying loving husband. And I'm like, I don't believe it. I know ballerina is coming out next year, but I'm like, there's more John Wick that this is coming from that. That sucked. But the action was good. It was the action was nuts, dude. It was there's a really cool scene insane. where they like do an overhead shot with a fire with a fire shotgun. Oh, yeah. Uh, that's that a dope. that's a cool sequence. That I'm like, am I playing a video game right now, dude? That was so cool. You see him shooting through walls and stuff. Um, the stairs scene towards the end, like third act. I'm like, dude, we're gonna be fighting on these stairs for 15 minutes. <laughs> that's one of my crap. favorite scenes in the movie because John Wick falls down the stairs in an incredibly comedic way where he falls down like seven flights of steps and they show every single one. Dude, it's more than seven. <laughs> it's like a dozen. He gets to the top. He falls all the way down. And you're like, well, that was six minutes wasted. And then he's got to go up again. He gets, he falls down half of them. And I'm like, if this happens one more time, I swear to God, it's crazy, dude. I don't know. I also don't know how I feel about the antagonist slash protagonist with the dog. I don't know. Um, my letterbox review for John Wick four was once I noticed that there was a dog that specifically bit people in the nuts. All I could focus on was how often people got hit in the nuts in this movie. Yeah. Shout out to the command being nuts. Yeah. I'm like, what? <laughs> so this movie crazy on the action. Um, but I mean, like the plot was so lacking, it detracted for me. So I'm going to say six and a half. This was like a straight up Fast and Furious Transformers level action. Yeah. Like it felt w like wild, but it is what it is. I watched Wish. Um, okay. Excited to hear about so, it. So Wish is the 100th anniversary celebration movie that Disney put out. Um, and... I think that as a 100th anniversary celebration, it's very serviceable. 
It's very, they do a really cool job of blending several art styles. This movie received a lot of scrutiny on the internet that this movie didn't deserve. Um, a lot of people were complaining about the arts. Uh, uh, nothing about this movie is good out of context. So people were complaining about the art style and how it looks unfinished. That's because it's part of a bigger puzzle. People were complaining gotcha. about how some of the songs were written. That's because you were hearing a clip and it fits into a bigger puzzle. Right. Um, so as a 100th anniversary celebration, it's serviceable. The art is cool. The music is fine. It's not great. It's not good. The music is fine. Um, and this is one of the struggles of like, a movie getting decimated and then I have to defend a movie even though I think it's okay. Like yeah. I sound like I'm like, you know, writing on this movie, but like, like I, the dude, it wasn't that bad. Yeah. Um, there's a talking animal companion, hardly relevant to the movie, like not <laughs> annoying. It. It's fine. Um, as a movie, it's not good. But if you go in with the mindset of, this is 100% nostalgia bait then and you give in to the nostalgia bait then it's fine it's fun it's definitely something you watch on Disney Plus when it comes out with your family and being like oh those look like the raccoons from Pocahontas oh this is a reference to um the, seven the fairy dwarves. godmother oh yeah. he this is the magic mirror um so i would say you don't need to see this movie in theaters. It is a perfectly fine Disney Plus movie. Um, the songs are okay. Um, a lot of the songs, the, people are saying like, these songs sound AI generated. No. Um, what these songs are, are purposefully written to be placed outside of the context of the movie. Okay. Um, like there is a song where... Um, Ariana DeBose and Chris Pine are singing about like the concept of holding on to a wish and they use very generic lovey language. So as I was watching it, I'm like, Oh, they want people to use this on TikTok so that way they can like talk about their kids or whatever. Like, Oh, I want to uh, hold on to you. I want to cherish you. I want to make sure that you are nourished and I want to like, make sure you see the warmth of life. And I'm like, okay, they want us to use this like in real life. So it's okay. Nothing to write home about the star. Oh my God. I, there's one thing to write home about and it's the star. There's like this anthropomorphic star and he's so cute. Oh, it's such a cute star. If you Google wish star, it'll be like, oh, that's so cute. Um, but whatever. It's like a 5.75, maybe okay. a flat six. Gotcha. Um, I watched Leo, Adam Sandler's new movie on Netflix, co-starring Bill Burr. Um, dude, this movie's good and it's funny, bro. It it is actually funny. This does a lot of that Shrek stuff where the jokes go right over the kid's head, but like the adults are like, that's real funny. And it's it's just a great family movie. It's got a bunch of like hidden voices in there, like Joe Coy, the comedian's in there. Um Allison Strong, Jason Alexander, aka Costanza, Cicely Strong's in there. I think he's both of his daughters play students. Uh, both of Adam Sandler's daughters play students. It's just a good movie, dude. Um, my daughter's watched it three times now. Um, and enjoyed it every time. I watched it with her, enjoyed it every time. It's just funny and wholesome, and I liked it, and I will watch it again. 
I don't even want to talk about it too much. They, it's about class pets. And in this movie, animals can talk. And the lizard thinks he's going to die. He's 74, about to turn 75. And the life expectancy on these lizards is 75. So he's like, screw it. I'm just going to start talking to these students and teach them life lessons. Because I don't want to be forgotten with every other class pet. So he starts talking. And it's just a good movie. I highly, highly recommend watching it with your family, watching it with kids. If you don't have those, watch it yourself. It's 100% worth it as a kid's movie for adults as well. I'm going to give it 7.75. It's good, dude. Whoa, wow. All right. No, it's, which is high for comedy. It is a comedy. I might, 7.75 is high, maybe a 7.5. It's a good movie. I will watch it again. If my family came over and said, hey, we got some younger kids you want to watch again, I'd be like 100%. Because the jokes are good. Rock on. Good. Yeah, man. Um. I watched Waitress, the musical. Oh, um, they, I'm glad we didn't do this on the podcast. They did a pro shot of Waitress, and it's mm-hmm. in theaters. You know, the I mean, it's probably out, already out of theaters, regardless. Yeah. Um, seeing musical pro shots, I think, is really cool, and I'm and I try to see them whenever they happen. Um, this musical changed my life. Like, wow. I was watching this. And I was crying over things that like don't make sense for people to cry over. Um, so the premise of waitress is, uh, you know, she's like a young woman working at a diner, uh, Mm -hmm. and she specializes in baking pies. She invents and bakes a new pie every day. And, and the pie is related to what's going on in her life. Um, and she gets pregnant. She's married. She's gets pregnant from her husband. But her husband is a bad person. So uh, the movie is about her kind of like trying to save up money to go into this pie making competition. And Mm -hmm. the reward money is enough to where she'd be able to leave her husband and raise this baby on her own. Um, But more than that, I think this movie did a really good job. I say this movie, this musical does a really good job at showing how magical like normal life is there are so many scenes in this movie that are simply about like a community coming together to help support this one person who everyone agrees deserves better than what is happening now like and when i say community it's not like hundreds of people it's like there's like eight people who are like jenna deserves more than what she has And it's these people that band together to like help her see her worth, help her dream bigger, help her believe in herself. And I, those kinds of stories just like really hit home to me. Just like this idea of like, if you don't believe in yourself, that's okay because we believe in you for you. And the music is fantastic. The one, the one note that I would have is, Yep. This is the version that has Sarah Bareilles in it. There were some moments where I think Sarah Bareilles forgot that she wasn't supposed to be a pop star and uh, that she was on a Broadway show. There are some runs that she does in her songs that I feel are a little inappropriate in the context. <laughs> um, and I'm like, Sarah, now is not the time to show off. Um, but other than that, it's a beautiful show. I... I'm so happy I got a chance to see it. It's like two hours and 40 minutes. It doesn't feel it. it I, I genuinely 
had a moment where I was like, oh, we're at the intermission. We're just now at the intermission. And um, it was an amazing musical. I loved it a lot. Nine out of ten. I got two movies. I'm going to combine them into one. Christmas movies. Okay. So I watched The Nutcracker in the Four Realms, came out in 2018, and I watched the animated The Grinch, came out in 2018. The Grinch has Benedict Cumberbatch as The Grinch, Rashida Jones as Cindy Lou Who's mom, Donna Who. Um, Pharrell Williams is the narrator. Kenan Thompson voices the character. It's The Grinch, dude. It's good. It's exactly what you expect from The Grinch. If you like Jim Carrey's, it's obviously modeled after that. Same intonation, same behavior. It's the same story, just a little different, different voice actors. It's whatever. It's not bad. It's just like more of the Grinch. How much can you actually change? I'm going to give it a 675. It's just the Grinch movie. Now, The Nutcacker in the Four Realms is a fever dream. And I had no idea what I was signing up for when I clicked this movie, but I just wanted to watch a Christmas <laughs> movie. It's got Morgan Freeman as Judge Drossemeyer in it. Keira Knightley as the Sugar Plum, Sugar Plum Fairy. She's like runs the candy realm or something like that. Um, and Helen Mirren is Mother Ginger, aka the bad guy. I had every time a celebrity showed up, I'm like, what are you doing here? Um, also, Jack Whitehall is in it. I recognized him, and I don't know most of the other people. This movie is not good. I've been spoiled by A24 child actors who are might as well be adults. Their acting is so good. This. Not so much. The writing, whatever. I think, if anything, I was surprised by the production value on a Christmas movie and the and the celebs they got in it. It's basically... Also, they just stole ideas from other people. Like, this is serious <laughs> Narnia vibes. Like, time slows down when she's in the other world. Um, she walks through something and all of a sudden is in the other world. She has to help them out. Finds out she's a princess when she gets there because her mom had already been there and she was the queen. And then she has to reunite the four realms it was no one should watch this i mean if you have to watch it there's like the nutcracker is a side character um there's like nutcracker music in the background but they never like straight up acknowledge it they have a ballet sequence that lasts seven minutes i'm like oh we ran out of time this movie's an hour and 39 minutes and they're like let's just throw the ballet in it's nutcracker's a ballet just throw ballet in there and they do and it's used as exposition it's not a good movie, dude. IMDb has a rated at five and five point six. So, and they notoriously rate high. This movie is a four seven five, dude. Don't watch this Christmas Whoa. movie. There's too many other good ones. There's too many other good ones. <laughs> this is this movie's just weird. I, I bet you this movie would be great with your friends roasting it while high or drunk. I've said that for a couple movies now. This is one of those movies. Like, what are we watching? So I watched a movie called Dark Shadows. Um. This movie came out in 2012. It is directed by Tim Burton and has Johnny a, Depp and Helena Bonham Carter yeah, in it. And right. I know that some of you guys might be thinking, a 2012 Tim Burton movie starring Johnny Depp? I don't recall that one. Hey, there's a reason. It's because this movie's bad. Um, <laughs> so this movie is about a vampire who was buried alive for like 300 years. And when he gets uh, brought back... He um, has to adjust to modern life. It's not modern life. It's like 1980s or 1990s, but, you know, modern compared to the 1700s. Um, And the person that turned him into a vampire is still um, alive and manipulating the town that he lives in. And 
it's like part him trying to find romance, part him trying to get revenge on the person that's that made him a vampire, and it's a mess. It is a clutter of a movie. Um, all star cast, though, dude. All star cast. Um, this movie is very. It it's trying to be Edward Scissorhands, which is like fish out of water trying to participate in modern society. That's exactly what it is. Same director, same cast, and it's bad. If you want to watch this movie, just watch Edward Scissorhands. The action climax is goofy and like they're making up rules the whole time. As far as like gothic entertainment goes, this is far from the top, far from good. Tim Burton, I would say Tim Burton's weakest movie. Just oh, wow. straight up. Like it's not it's just not good. Um it it's just messy. It has no point. Um so I did not like that movie very much, and I will give it like a four and a half. Yikes. Um Woo! All right. All caught big up, old, man. Big old plate of stuff. Um uh yeah, I mean, hey, I hate to say this. We're gonna do another episode like this in like a month. Less than a month, because we have to do our uh annual recap yeah also we have an oscar episode in the future so that's um, a hey, big old chunk if you forgot that we were a movie podcast we're about to remind you real fast um <laughs> but next week we are watching it's a wonderful life i'm very excited about this because i saw a black box uh, a black box theatrical production of this movie but i have not seen the movie itself and I liked the theater, the theater run, the theater production I saw of it. So I'm excited to watch the movie. Sweet, dude. I, th- I don't know. I feel like this and every other super old Christmas movie blends together. I don't know if I've seen it. I don't think I have. I don't know what parts I have seen, what parts I haven't. So should be good. It's a classic. Yeah, but until then, my name is Craig Wells, a.k.a. Permanent Handle. And I'm Alex Good, a.k.a. Alex Good. Have fun, be safe, and make good choices. And while you're at it, tell your mama said hi. See you next week. Deuces.